Welcome to Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree, the show where we dish out tips and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. Now, if you're listening for the first time, you might be thinking, what the heck is a mystical business owner? Well, if you work as a tarot card reader or astrologer, if you're a Reiki healer, intuitive counselor, oracle medium, or if there's any kind of spiritual or mystical art that is part of your work, we are talking about you and to you. And my name is Teresa and my lovely co-host. Introduce yourself, please. Hey, everyone. I am Bree. And we have both been self-employed sacred artists running our own businesses for decades upon decades. And so we know what goes into running a successful business and we know how much heart, grit, and hustle it takes to get your business afloat and keep things rocking along. So we do this show together once a month because we love, love, love sharing the business strategies that we've learned over the years. And we really adore seeing our fellow mystics and sacred artists thrive and succeed. And in each episode of Talking Shot, we tackle different topics that are really important to our community. And this year, we're focusing on books because, A, we both have books coming out uh, this year, and, B, a lot of fellow mystical and metaphysical folks we know either want to become authors or, um, you know, they're already uh, authors and they're trying to, like, up their game. And so we're really looking to give you guys a lot of advice this year on how to really rock your book. And today our topic is working with publishers. And I think this is a really important thing. Now, I know some people do self-publishing, but we're not talking about that today. We're talking about working with a traditional publisher. So, Bree, I want to talk about literary agents, first of all, yay or nay. What do you think about them? Do you need one? Do you not need one? Yeah, okay, so it's a really good question. Um, And I'm going to go with it really depends, right? It depends on on a bunch of different things. Um, If you have a connection for instance, to a publishing house, like if you know someone, then you don't really need an agent. You can, you know, you, you have somebody who is already on your side and going to give your proposal a really fair shake, you know, and, and hopefully, assuming that you have a solid idea, go to bat for you. Um, if you don't have an in to a publishing house or if you want to go for a really big publishing house, then having a literary agent can be really handy because, of course, their what their value is is not just what they know but who they know. So a good literary agent has a ton of contacts, and they can really put that to use on your behalf, and they can, you know, get you into places that you may not be able to get into by yourself. Now, the other thing to know about a literary agent is that they're going to take a cut of whatever advance you get for your book. Some of them work off of a monthly fee as well. So, you know, it is a service that you're going to pay for. And some of those fees can be really steep depending on how much money you're bringing in with your book. So that is something to consider. And another thing to consider is depending on how heavy-handed the literary agent is, they may really um, want to kind of shape the messaging of your book um, to increase its chances of getting published, which can be great unless they're shaping it in a way that really goes 
counter to what your vision is, in which case that's a problem because you don't want to spend the months that you're going to be spending on a project if you're not totally in, like you need to be in. So with that said, I think sometimes there's a feeling that if you don't have a literary agent, you're not as legitimate or you don't have as good of a shot getting published. And I am here to tell you that I have a publishing deal with a conventional beloved publisher, and I did not have a literary agent representing me. So it is definitely not necessary. What about you, Teresa? What do you think? Well, I'm really greedy. I don't like sharing my money. <laughs> so I'm going to be really frank. That's that's my thing. I, I, you know, thought about working with it. I'm like, you know what, Teresa, you're not going to want to, like, share any of your resources. So for me, I prefer to do things on my own. Uh, also, I'm super stubborn. You know, I like I got my own way about doing things. So, um, you know, it just wasn't for me. Now, I know a lot of people who work with agents, and the agents have just been, so good at helping them to secure more money. That's one thing they do for you because they yeah. have a vested interest. Uh, you know, so your negotiations are going to be a lot stronger if you do have a literary agent. They're going to go to bat for you. They're going to look over the contract. They're going to make sure that you are getting the best thing because they are like the go-between that's going to serve you. So it's really wise to have a literary agent, especially if you're one of those people that doesn't want to deal with the contract part or you're nervous or, you know, there might be many reasons to do it. Uh, or like you said, if you're trying to get in with a really big publisher, um, it just wasn't something that I was interested in, but I see the wisdom in them. And who knows, I might change my mind as I've got more and more book ideas pouring out of me. Maybe at some point I'll need a literary agent. So you just don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I think I think that every author needs to kind of assess their situation for themselves and make that make that call. So once your book is accepted, Teresa, what are the next steps? What happens? Well, this is what people need to know. The first thing is your book proposal has to be accepted. Once the book proposal is accepted, then you work out the contract. And once the contract is in place, then you've got to write the book, and then you have to deliver it by the deadline. And then when you deliver that book, sometimes they're not going to accept it. You might deliver it, and they might say, you know what, this is really a crap book. Um, then the deal is done, unless they, you go back and rewrite it. You know, So there's always the possibility that that can happen. But if they accept the manuscript, from there, then it all goes through every department with the publisher to get the book done. And that means you're going to start working with the marketing department. You're going to start working with the editing department. You're going to be looking at the art department to see what the cover looks like and see if you approve it. So then it's a, it becomes like a team. Like you and your publisher are a team because you're all invested in birthing this baby. And you're like midwives making it happen together and you've got to work together. So that's the process once your book is accepted. And, you know, let's talk about process. How did your publisher, because publishers do do this, how do they guide your book topic and your writing process and the editing process? Do you want to talk on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, as I shared on one of our earlier shows this year, um, I went through several different book proposals with my publisher, and the reason that that happened is because I have a ton of ideas for different books, but my publisher 
was really interested in finding the right first book with the phrase that kept getting used and and making sure that that first book gave a broad enough um, depiction of me and my work uh, that you know it would it would really create um, the kind of space it needed to within the market and to introduce people to my work so that you know even before I had a deal with the publisher, that was something that that came up you know and and so the the topic was already being crafted by the publisher. You know, one of the things that it was it was kind of like finding the sweet spot because on the one hand, we didn't want to have a topic that was biting off more than we could chew and was so broad that, you know, it's going to culminate in like an 800-page book. And on the other hand, we didn't want to have a topic that was so narrow and niche that only specialists could really benefit from that book, because of course, at that point, you've got, you know, a book that is going to appeal to a much larger segment of the population. So, you know, your publisher is, is guiding, um, the kind of topic and the breadth and the depth of the topic from day one in a really real way. As far as the process goes, you know, what, what my publisher did for me was they sent me at the very beginning, you know, they, they sent me kind of an overview of the process. And this included like the essential due dates, you know, when I would need to have the first draft of the manuscript manuscript into them, um, when the edits, the macro edits would be due, when the micro edits would be due. Um, it included things like the meeting that I had with the marketing team. It included things like when I would start to ask people for endorsements. So, you know, there was a comprehensive list and calendar that was sent to me that really assisted. You know, I just got um, a, a few months ago the galleys for my book, and with that was another um, basically calendar that, that gave me a list of, you know, the parts of promotion that I'm responsible for and then the parts of promotion that the publisher is responsible for. So, you know, having those due dates and knowing what pieces you need to make sure are in place, like all of that is really essential to success. And one thing that I would say about after your book is accepted, your book proposal is accepted, and you have the contract, and that I did, that I'm really glad that I did, is I hired an attorney. I hired a contract attorney who was also a book agent to go over my contract, right? I'm a Libra, so I like every, I like all my legal stuff taken care of. I hired her to go over my contract, and there were several aspects of my contract that I did negotiate with my publisher to get better terms. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I highly recommend that you do. It takes a chunk out of your advance, but I learned how to read a contract and I learned what different parts of the language of the contract meant. And I did get slightly more favorable terms in several key areas. And so that is, I I really do, you know, it's again, it's this exciting moment. It's really thrilling. You feel so pumped. 
And sometimes I think we can worry that if we do something like hire an attorney, it gives our publisher like the wrong idea. But my publisher was actually super supportive that I hired an attorney and I feel like it made them see me as a true professional, that I'm somebody who's going to invest some money into making sure that this contract does for me what it needs to do and, and understanding it and taking it seriously. So I just wanted to add that about after the book proposal is accepted. Right. That's really great information. So thank you. Yes. So what about you, Teresa? How did your publisher guide your book topics and your processes? And you've worked with a couple of different publishers. So has it changed publisher to publisher? Um, no, you know, I found for me it's basically been the same. Um, they have their opinions. They have their, you know, like like with the first book, the tarot coloring book, when I submitted my proposal, you know, they're the ones who came back and said, hey, could you turn this into a coloring book? We think it would be really fun. And I'm like, oh, my God, yes. And that was such a great idea for me because when I was actually learning yoga back in the day and going through my teacher certification, my biggest problem with yoga was the anatomy. I could not get it. And I'm not a dumb girl. I'm a, like a, one of these people that's really good at acing a test. And so I ended up getting a copy of that anatomy coloring book. I'm an experiential learner. And finally it clicked. And, of course, I got 100% on the anatomy portion because that was the way that I learned best, by getting hands-on. I couldn't just, just lecturing it to me. It's in one ear and out the other. So yeah. with the tarot coloring book, when they came up with that, that part of the idea, I'm like, hell, yeah, I'm on it. So they guided me with that. And then with the other books with the publishers, the, the new publisher that I'm working with, they, for the first book that I did, it's a book called Tarot with Troubled Times. That is a book that I co-wrote with my friend Shaheen Miro. And Shaheen Miro and I actually taught a class called Tarot for Troubled Times. And it was teaching people, you know, how to deal with the problems in your life, but also the problems in the world and how to show up and you know, to be an activist in the world and to deal with your shadow and the world's shadow. And so it was a class, and they actually approached us and said, could you guys turn this into a book? And we were like, uh, yeah. And so, you know, that book was based totally on the class, and they had some ideas, but we pretty much took the material from our class and we put it into the book. So that's how they guided it. And with my last book um, that I wrote, which I'm not right now, announcing until we're just sure that <laughs> I just saw the cover by the way it's so cool but with that book you know um, that was a book that I was going back and forth with between my first publisher and my new publisher and so the second publisher was like just gung-ho and they said we'll take it and you know the first publisher when we were talking about it had some ideas too that I took some of their ideas but then when I started working with the second publisher they had some ideas too so you know they were incorporating their ideas from both both publishers so I'll give my publishers credit I've worked with Sounds True and Wiser is my new publisher. I mean, you couldn't ask for better publishers. They are super supportive. I love Sounds True with a passion, and I have been just really enjoying so much working with Wiser. Um, they've just, you know, they're, they're good publishers. They're the kind of publishers who are really there for you, and they're guiding you because, again, it's like midwives. They want to give birth to something beautiful. And so, yeah, yeah, they did give me a lot of little guidance um, here and there. But, you know, a lot of the main guidance then, once the idea is all established, then it comes down to that editing thing. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's talk about that. So your manuscript is delivered. 
and you finish it, and you pop the champagne. But wait, dun, dun, dun. There is still work to be done with the publisher. So can you talk us through the editing process, Teresa? Tell us. Yes. Well, the editing process is interesting because, first of all, once they've accepted the manuscript, you don't hear from them for a while. And, of course, for me, paranoia sets in. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, did they like yeah, do they like it? Did it suck? You know, what's going on? So you go, I mean, that's me, though. I'm weird. I go through processes like that. So, you know, I had my moments where I was feeling a little bit nervous about things, but then they come back, and then the work actually begins. Then it's all about, you know, them coming back with um, their suggestions. Uh, they go through their copy editor. Their copy editor goes in and cleans things out, makes suggestions, makes sure things make sense. Because even with a really good manuscript that you've delivered, there mil- there still may be things that are just not tight. And they're going to go back in and they're going to say this doesn't make sense. So, for example, with the book that I just worked on with Shaheen, the copy editor just gave us our book back, and they're like, "Here's some sections where we think it needs an intro here, or we think this." Part sounds different, so we think this needs to come before that. Uh, or can you clarify this? What does this mean? You know, so the copy editor comes back with all of that. And so anyhow, Shaheen and I went through, we edited that and sent it to them. But now it goes back through, it's going to go back through another round of edits, and then it's going to come back to us. And then it goes through another, then we get the galleys. And the galleys are, you know, kind of like your your fake book where you get to see any images. If there are images, you get to see how the book looks. You get to go through it again with the pen and paper, old school. That's how I did it, which sounds true. I haven't done that yet with my new publisher because we're not that far along. And that's where you go through and you have to, like, once again, eyes all over it. And then you mail that back. And then from there, well, then it goes to print. So that's pretty much pretty standard, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's really standard. So, you know, your first, you have several different editors. You're going to have a manuscript editor. That's the big editor who's going to go through both the content, the form, the structure of the manuscript. And she or he will come back to you with macro edits the first. So those are any big changes that need to be made. Like, like in my case, we added a whole new chapter to my book. Wow. Um, and an introduction, right? So because... What I had written as the intro was actually a chapter, and then I needed to write an introduction. So that, you know, those are big, like, structural changes. Then you're going to go through a round of micro-edits, and this is where, like, you know, we're looking at phrases, and we're looking at, like, this paragraph needs to be tightened up, and, you know, we're looking at chapter headings and making sure that they're consistent, and, you know, a lot of it in the micro-edit level of consistency you know, like, do you write the number or do you spell, like, do you write the actual numeral number or do you spell it out? And you have to make sure you do that consistently throughout. Then you're going, then you have a copy editor. And so that, they are looking at punctuation. They're looking at grammar. They're looking right. at spelling. They're looking at capitalization. Then And then you get the proofs or the galleys, like Teresa said, and I just did my first proof, um, which is a pen and paper deal. So, you know, you get the manuscript. You proof it up in a red pen, and then you literally FedEx it back to your publisher. You may go through that round um, several times. And there's going to be other pieces as well along the way, like the marketing team is going to get in touch with you. They're going to have pieces of marketing 
you know, communication about your book that you're going to have to look over and give a yes or a no on. You're going to have endorsement gathering happening at the same time that you may be editing your book at one point. So you're going to have that happening. So there's a lot of different ways you'll be working with them. But it's important to understand that the editorial process is multi-layered and happens in phases. Mm-hmm. It's a long process. It really is. But, you know, it's all about yeah. getting it perfect. That's it. We want, you want a really well-polished final book. You know, the, the worst thing in the world is to open up a book and you see a typo on, like, the second page. And it's just like, what, how did that happen? And, and, you know, and it very, does happen. And it does happen. It does happen. But the multi-layered editing process is your safeguard that makes it happen a lot less than it otherwise would. Right. It's a lot of eyes, a lot of people to make sure this baby gets born. That's right. So, of course, we want our baby to be really beautiful, so let's talk about the cover of the book. What do people (laughs) need to know about the cover of your book? You know, how did you and your publisher arrive at the cover? Ah, I love my book cover so much. Um, It's beautiful. So, in my case, I, I, I sent it to you, Teresa, like as soon as I had confirmation. Um, so in my case, we're making magic. My publisher, so you have a design team that is assigned to your book. And I actually, I had a call with the acquisitions editor who was, who is the person in a publishing house who is acquiring manuscripts and acquiring authors. So this is often one of your first points of contact. I had a call with her very early on. Um, while I was actually still in it, reviewing the contract that I had, where she asked me about my book and, and what I wanted my book to look and feel like. And so we talked about that. And she took those remarks to the design team that was in charge of putting, of creating the cover and the look and the feel for my book. And then The design team, I had a further conversation then a few weeks later with my manuscript editor, who I think of as like my main editor, and and she further refined the vision and took that to the design team. And so then the design team did their work, and what they decided is because I work with Cassandra Oswald, who has done all of the art um, for my classes and for my website, my publisher really loved the look and the aesthetic of my brand. And so they actually worked with Cassandra to create the cover of my book um, because they just felt like her art was already so on point for my audience and for my brand. And so then they came back to me, and they had four different versions of the cover and I chose the one that I liked, and it just so happened that the one that I liked the best was also the one that my editor liked the best and was also the one that Kathy liked the best. And Jasper, my seven-year-old, also thought it was the best, and I, I think his was the deciding vote. And so that was the one that we went with. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it, so it was really fun, and it was, it was very exciting when the, the uh, editor got in touch with me and said, you know, we're going to go with, with – Cassandra because we love the art that is already there. So that was it was really special. So I have a fond place in my heart for that cover. Now what about you, Teresa? Well, you know, um when for the tarot coloring book when they came back with the cover and they also came back with the inside pages which are all, you know, really illustrated. It's so beautiful. 
And, oh, you know, they had a couple different covers for me to choose from. And so that was, um, I picked the one that I liked. And they also asked me, they said, we want to put tarot cards on the cover. What ones do you want? I said, well, of course, the sun, because it's my favorite card. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's how that went down. Now, with my second book, Tarot for Troubled Times, with Shaheen, um, Shaheen actually designed the cover. And so Shaheen showed it to me and showed it to them, and it, it was just really easy for us to accept it because uh, Shaheen's also an artist, and he's he's just an amazing designer. And I, I like to say he's like a Renaissance man. You know, just he's so talented, and he's got so much going for him. Just working with him on the book and the class and everything we've done together has been such an honor. Uh, now, my third book, I just saw the prototype cover, <laughs> and I loved it. Now, of course, my husband, who's an artist, is, well, I didn't do it, but some of the, I thought, listen, this, this is awesome. I love it. So we'll see where they go with that. It's a matter now of going back and forth, but they had a prototype, and I thought it looked really, really stunning. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. exciting. exciting. I know. I can't wait so to it's... tell people more about the third book. It's so, so exciting. It's neat when you see the cover and the inside pages. I'm glad you mentioned that with the tarot coloring book because that is another, you know, one of the things that goes along with the cover are design elements is usually what they're called that will be on the inside pages. There are some really cool ones in my book that I was just, you know, thrilled. It's like little extra things to make the book special, make it lovely. And that's a neat, that's a, that's a fun part of the process when you see the cover. Absolutely. Um, So. When the book is completed, it's time to get your marketing on. So, Teresa, you're so good at marketing. You love to do it. What is your experience working with the marketing team? Well, I do love to market. I mean, I like to say I like the editing and the marketing part, the best part of all. I adore marketing. And the marketing team, now, I, the, the second publisher, we're, we're not there yet. You know, so that part hasn't been crossed yet. That's, we're just starting to nip into that. But when I work with Sounds True, you know, I was designed, I was assigned a, um, publicity person, a PR person, Wendy, and Wendy was fabulous. And then I had, uh, other people that I worked with too, you know, and, you know, what we did is we came up with plans and my publicist helped to like really reach out to magazines and, um, you know, they really work for you to make sure that your book is getting seen in various venues. So what I found is, is like, again, I hate to use the midwife thing. Here we are. We all want to present the baby now to the world, right? And so we want to make it look good, and we want to get it to all the places. I like to think of it like a birth announcement. And so the team really helped me to figure out where would be good places to get the book featured. Um, they, they They asked me to you know, reach out to people, and then they reached out to people. So it really felt like we were all working together to bring this together in the best way possible. I don't know if I'm saying this really eloquently, but my experience was very positive. And just having these people there working hard to get the word out, I mean, it takes some of the steam off of you. Of course, what writers need to know, though, is that a lot of the marketing, though, is still going to come down to you. They kind of get mm-hmm. you going and they get you in the right places, but what are you going to be doing from there? Your role is just as important. You have to make sure that you have a game plan. You have to make sure that you're going to go on your social media platforms and talk about it. You're going to have to get the podcast things lined up. If you're going to do a book tour, which we'll talk about that in a later episode, 
you've got to figure that part out. You know, they will get your foot in the right doors, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done on your behalf. They're lovely, though. I really, really loved working with them. What about you? What is your advice around working with a marketing team? So I love my marketing team. Um, they are really, really amazing. I think the, the first piece of advice is you need to be really clear about what is your responsibility and what yeah. is their responsibility, right? So they actually sent me a flow chart um, that was like, here's your responsibilities and here are our responsibilities. I was like, yes, this is so great. Because, um, you know, I have Venus and Virgo, so I'm like, mm, I love me some flow charts. Um, so know what you have to do and know what they are going to do for you. That's the first thing. The second thing is I have found that it's really helpful. You know, your marketing team is, is really there to facilitate um, various aspects of your promotion, whether that's book signings or venue, you know, securing specific venues um, for, you know, sales and signings or book-related events, um, you know, helping you come up with, like, a pre-order bonus if that's something that you want to do, talking about social media campaign possibilities. So, like, they're, they're really there for you, and you will get the best work out of them if you come to them with some ideas or at least some preferences. So, you know, with my, with my publicity team, my marketing team, I, I said, hey, guys, you know, I have – he's going to be one when the book comes out, my, my littlest one. And mm-hmm. so I am not going to be – traveling like eight months out of the year to promote this book. Like I'm interested in doing a few small events that are delightful and fun and, you know, in places where a lot of people can attend them and, and, you know, not being on the road every other week because I have a baby and I can't do that. And so they were so like that really helped them in their job then say, okay, well, here are some parameters that we can start to work with. I came to them with a really clear idea of what I wanted to have as a pre-order bonus. This is a bonus that you create. It can be bonus material, a bonus chapter. It can be a class or a workshop or a how-to video, whatever you want, um, to encourage people to pre-order your book. And they were so thrilled that I came to them with an idea, and then they were able to take it and they were able to, like, make it beautiful and make it accessible and create, like, this awesome, you know, document with it. And so so if you go to them with some ideas or at least some preferences, then they can really assist you and support you. And so, you know, give them material to work with, but then also be open Mm -hmm. to what they have to say, you know, because they're going, they've been doing this and they have a lot of experience with this. And so, you know, listen to them and ask them, how can I make your job easier? Like Mm -hmm. what do a lot of authors not do that if I do will make your, will make your job easier? Like they're so grateful when you ask, like, how you can help them, you know? And so I think that's a really important part, too. And I think they're also grateful when you show up like a pro and say, okay, I'm ready to market this thing. Because I would imagine, and I mean, I can't speak for a publisher. I'm not a publisher. But I can imagine having somebody who's coming to the table and just expects you to, like, 
do everything for them and they're not lifting a finger or they have no ideas about this or they just don't want to do it, it's really a drag. It's kind of like, you yeah. know, being a concert promoter and the band shows up and they don't want to play. So That's right. That's right. You have to know that marketing and promoting your book is, is part of your job as an author. Right. You know, and so you really spoke um, so eloquently and said it so much better than I could about, you know, really working well with the marketing team by, you know, what can I do? Uh, I think that's a brilliant thing to ask. So how do you maintain a good relationship with your publisher? You know, what would be your advice on that? You know, I have been really blessed working with Sounds True, who's my publisher, and Teresa, you've worked with them. I mean, they're lovely, and I love them, and they were always the publisher that I wanted. So, I mean, I started off on the right foot with them. Um, you know, I think that the really the, – the best thing to do is to keep the lines of communication open. If something happens that you're not happy about, don't go in assuming that, like, anyone is trying to screw you or mess up your vision. Just assume that something got lost in translation and that, you know, your publisher is going to work with you and, and be happy to fix it. You know, your publisher wants your book to be successful, and they know that if you're not happy with the book, that it's not, it's not going to be successful. And so, you right. know, that the, everyone is on the same team here. One thing I asked sounds true when I started um, working on Making Magic is I said, you know, is there anything that you have seen happen or that you wish that authors, especially first-time authors, were, were thinking about um, that would make your job easier? And I got this advice from two different departments, which was that if you really haggle over the macro edit, these are the big edits. This is the first round of editing that you do. If you go through more than three rounds of macro edits because you're really, like, fighting with your editor, then the book starts to lose a certain energetic mojo. And, and they were like, we can't tell you why it happens. But we've seen it happen, like, again and again and again. So, you know, you really need to work with your editor. Now, I have a really good friend who published a book, and her first editor, the first editor the publisher assigned to her just gutted her book. And she was like, I will not, I'm like, I won't publish the book, you know. And she was very clear about her boundaries. And so in that case, they actually gave her a different editor because clearly there was such a, a badness of fit. And so right. stuff like that can happen, right? But you really, you want to be on the same page as much as possible. And again, just assume that everybody, you know, is, is working towards the same goal, which is a successful book, you know, and, and that makes a huge difference. And then the other thing that I think is really nice that I have done um, and that everyone has appreciated is, you know, as you go through the writing process, you often, like, you start out talking to one person a lot, and then the book goes into a different phase of production and goes to a different department, and you're not talking to that person anymore. You're talking to somebody else. And so there have been certain key points where I have emailed everyone, like, starting with the first point of contact to kind of keep them in the loop 
And they really appreciate that because, like, they don't know necessarily what the cover's going to look like. Um, and actually, early on in my book, I did that with the title. We were looking at different titles for the book because picking the title is, of course, a huge thing. And uh, I emailed my first point of contact with the choices, and she actually didn't like any of them. So we went back to the drawing board and came up with a much better title. And if I hadn't looped her into that conversation, she wouldn't have known. So that's another thing to do. Like, you know, every now and then just, like, get all the players on the same page, you know, so that when there's, like, critical moments, like the cover of the book, the title of the book, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a marketing question that you want more brains to be involved with, like that kind of a thing, um, you know, invite everyone in to the, to the party. So those are some of my tips. What about you, Teresa? How do you do it? Because you're, you're so good at relationship. Relationships are always the most important thing. And, you know, now that I'm working with a different publisher, I'm, um, I've got new relationships that I'm forming, and so the the biggest thing with the with your publishers is it's mutual respect. It comes down to really respecting them because you know they are they're there to help you, and you have to remember that you're all looking at the same thing, the same goal. Uh, the goal is to get this book published and to help it do well. We all want the same thing, and I think if you keep that in mind and take nothing personally. Um, and keep it pro, then you're going to be fine. I think what becomes a problem for some people, and this could be in any working relationship, Bree, is if you start copying an attitude about something or um, if one person doesn't hold up their end of the bargain. I mean, there's so many ways relationships can go wrong. But on your end, hold up your end of the bargain. Do what's expected. Be respectful. Be kind. Approach it in the spirit of cooperation. And you're going to be fine. And, you know, I've moved on to a new publisher right now, but I love Sounds True. And so I love keeping friendly relationships with them because they're so fabulous. Just because I'm going in a different direction doesn't mean that, you know, um, that this is like a negative thing. It's like, okay, we're flying our wings in different directions. So my advice is if you're moving on, always do it with grace and kindness Um just don't leave a bad attitude in anything you do, and you're going to be fine. It's yeah. simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Teresa, you spoke to this um, just just a moment ago. You're working with a different publisher now. So how do you and, – and this is something many of us will end up doing, right? It's, it's pretty rare, actually, to stay with one publisher for the entirety of your writing career. So how do you forge a strong new relationship – while still honoring the previous publisher. Well, again, it comes down to what I was just saying a minute ago. You always want to approach everything with a with professionalism, respect, and kindness. Um, so when you are moving on to a new, and also honesty, this is the one big thing. I don't play games. I'm extremely straightforward. Which you know, some people don't like that about me. But when I'm going into a business deal with anybody, I'm very, very honest. There's no games. There's nothing hidden. So for me, when I was trying to decide between the two publishers for the next book and we're going back and forth, I was very upfront with both publishers. It's like, look, this other publisher is very interested in my work. And I'm going to be, if you're not, if this, if our idea here isn't coming together, I am going to approach this. And then with the new publisher, it's like, yes, I'm interested in you, but 
I do love my other publisher, and I want to make sure that they are agreeing that this book belongs in a different publisher. You know, so I was just very upfront, very honest the whole way. And I think if you're honest, I think if you're respectful, you're going to start things off on the right foot with your new person, and you're also going to be able to close up shop with the other publisher with respect. And that's really all of it. I never want to walk away from anything with a bad taste in my mouth, and I never want to come into a situation, um, you know, unaware or approaching it without professionalism. And I think if you have that, you know what, you're golden. Be a pro. You know, especially, I think think what you say is so true, especially because, you know, you may work with a publisher and then go work with another publisher or several other publishers and then come back. To that publisher. Absolutely. One of the ones you've worked with before. So keeping those relationships professional and civil and kind and, you know, even loving, I think, is is really important because you never know when you'll be back working with them again. You know, that's how writing works. I mean, different publishers take up projects at different times. And so, you know, you don't don't want to burn any bridges or or have bad attitudes. And the other thing is, you know, it just feels good to have relationships, professional relationships that are solid whether you're working with someone or not, it's kind of like, you know, our relationship. Now, we've been doing this podcast for about six years, and there's what people don't realize. We are very close friends. You know, I always say you're my best friend. But there is always a spirit of professionalism that comes around this podcast. We're not approaching it like, yeah, let's just do this half-assed. You do your role. I do my role. We have our – everything is, like, very um, clear about who does what. And we come together, and there's always the respect and the professionalism. So, you know, really, in any any professional relationship you're doing, whether it's your publisher, whether it's your editor, whether it's your marketing person, whether it's you um, doing a podcast with somebody, you always got to try. And I got to say, relationships don't always go down well. You know, relationships sometimes yeah, can end yeah. really negative. And I've got friends who've ended relationships with publishers on a very bitter note and a lot of hard feelings um, and told me their experiences, which actually helped formulate some publishers I didn't want to work with. You know, but I've seen also other relationships where things go wonky. It could be somebody that you hire and it goes poorly. And sometimes you lose your temper, but always try to get back as much as you can to the spirit of professionalism and kindness. And that's how you can preserve relationships. And even if a relationship maybe even ends on a not-so-great note, there can always still be that aura of professionalism. So that's just my two Mm. cents. Such good advice. Such good advice. So that wraps up this episode of Talking Shop. And I want to conclude by asking you, Teresa, what was your biggest takeaway from this discussion. I felt like we really drilled down into some stuff. Yeah, and, you know, I think really this whole episode had a lot of really important parts. But one of the things I loved is how you talked about the attorney, about having the attorney come in and work, you know, to make sure that the deal is solid and how that's not a bad thing, like publishers don't see that as a negative thing. I think that's a really important takeaway because, you know, a lot of people, I like poking around in contracts. That's a thing that I get into. Uh, I got a whole story about 
the time I got handed a contract by a yoga studio, but I'll save that for another thing. <laughs> well, no, I'll tell you right now, I actually read the damn contract, and I refused to sign it because it was totally bogus. All the other yoga teachers are signing, and I told these guys, I ain't signing this. I said, this doesn't do anything for me. This doesn't inspire teamwork. It inspires a mutiny. It's because I sat down and read the contract. So I love that stuff. But you know what? Not everybody does. Not everybody gets legalese. And if you don't, I think your advice about having an attorney is just brilliant. So I love that. Thank you for that. Oh, yeah. So what about you? Any takeaways that you are walking away with saying, huh, I like that? You know, I really like what you said about the tarot coloring book that when you know you brought it to the publisher and they said, hey, at that point in time that you brought it, you weren't conceptualizing a coloring book. And they said, hey, we think this would be really awesome as a coloring book. And, of course, the tarot coloring book was then born and has done really well and people really love it. And I think one of the really important lessons in that is that sometimes the publisher will come back to you with, a vision that is not like what you originally had in mind, but it's really intriguing and compelling. And just because it's not what like the original thing was, you should not out of hand turn that down. You should really be open to what they're saying and where they're coming from because, again, their goal is the same as yours, to have this awesome book that is going to do well in the market. And so, you know, I, I really loved that. I thought that that was, that was such a, a great illustration of, you know, being open and being flexible and, and letting the experts guide you in the thing that they're really expert on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that is one thing that people do need to know, too. You may come with your concept and – you know, ultimately, it is a team effort. And I got I want to go back to the midwife things. We come together to make the most beautiful baby of all. And they may have some suggestions that you should actually listen to. Don't be so stubborn in your own vision that you cannot open up to an idea that maybe your publisher has that could make things even better. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's exactly right. we could probably talk all day. But we've got other things to do. And, you know, so do, so do our listeners. So, um, of course, I always want to thank our listeners for tuning into Talking Shop. And if you love Talking Shop, you know, you can listen to all the previous shows for free on iTunes or Stitcher. You want to look for Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree, you're going to find all the episodes there. You can also visit the Talking Shop archive on the tarolady.com. You just want to click on podcasts and scroll down to Talking Shop. You're going to find everything there. And Bree... Where can they find the podcast on your page? You guys just head over to com. That is B-R-I-A-N-A-S-A-U-S-S-Y.com. And there is a little button that says free resources right at the top in the navigation bar. Click on that and you will be directed to the current Talking Shop episode. You can listen to that and you can listen to all of the archives and here our fancy backlog of shows. We have covered so many aspects of metaphysical, mystical business ownership. It's not even funny because we are in our sixth year of talking shop. Yeah, I mean, we and we still find plenty of things to talk about. And we probably won't ever run out of things to talk about when it comes to business, right? No, no way. All right, people. Hey, a little reminder. If you are enjoying the show... 
you could really do us a huge favor by leaving a kind review on iTunes because that's going to help more metaphysical business owners find their way to Talking Shop. And that is a wrap for this episode. And we'd like to invite you to join us again next month for another round of Talking Shop. But until then, you can find me, Teresa, at thetarolady.com. And Bree, where are you? <laughs> Everyone can find me at com. Thanks again so much for listening, everyone. Keep taking action to build the mystical businesses of your dreams. Stay on your grind. Make it a great month. We know you will.